Um, if you've got your Bibles, hopefully you ha- do have your Bibles, whether it's on your iPad, your iPhone, or your... Yeah, if, if you're wavering in unbelief, your Android. Um, no. <laughs> let's quickly go to Romans. I'm trying to find Romans in the wrong place. Um, let's quickly go to Romans. Romans, so um, two weeks ago, Connor preached on um, right, uh, righteousness that cannot fail. Um, and then last week, he preached on um, about grace that transforms. And uh, what I want to do is just uh, continue on from that and uh, kind of try and make this a bit more practical um, and how we can be, how it's outworked in our lives. So these are nice things to understand and to know, but how is it actually outworked? Amen. So if you go to Romans chapter 5, we're just going to read from verse, uh, well, it's all good, but uh, maybe just from verse somewhere if I can find my glasses. All the verses are good. Okay, just reading from verse 12 very quickly. Uh, Verse 12, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, there is a beautiful theme here about one man. A lot of people have a little bit of a challenge about how Jesus can just come as one man and just take care of things. Well, there's a principle here, and if you don't like that, then one man brought sin into the world as well. So um, let's just, let me just read it. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. It's interesting here, that statement, he was a type of the one to come. What did he mean by that? Let's read further. But the free gift, free gift of what? We'll find out. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Understanding grace and this word abounding, it's just powerful. Verse 16, and the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought death. Adam in the garden, and he sinned, he brought death. But the free gift following many trespasses, after that, all men sinned. Um, But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification, just as if we had never sinned. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace... And the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Those who receive the abundance of grace, those who have a problem with grace being too hyper or too, the abundance of grace, and the free gift, it's a free gift of righteousness, they will reign in life, not just get by, not just make it, reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass, can you? Here, he's trying to make a point here. Um, Just as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. And just to throw this in, now the law came to make everybody good and to make sure they kept on the path. No, the law came in to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So that is actually the gospel in a nutshell. Um, Quickly turn to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. We'll just, read, um, we'll just read verse 11 and 12. It says this, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it 
through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And we're doing the book of Revelation, and the first few words of the book of Revelation say, a revelation of Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying, I wasn't taught this. This came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. So I thought this morning what I would do is, um, the gospel is a revelation of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. From His fullness. So let's delve into and try and get a revelation of Jesus this morning of the gospel. Amen. If you want to turn your Bibles very quickly, Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. We're going to do a, a little bit of uh, Bible reading this morning because it's anointed. His words are anointed, not mine. Revelation chapter 1 verse, Revelation, Matthew chapter 1. Revelation, you're going to get a revelation on Matthew chapter 1, <laughs> verse 20 and 21. But as he considered these things, who's he talking about? He's talking about Joseph. As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Amen. Who is this Jesus? John chapter 1. We're after a revelation of Jesus, and not my case, but John chapter 1. In the beginning, in the beginning, ninga-ninga-ning, in the beginning, ninga-ning, was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning, with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Let me pause there because I don't think any of us got that. So I'm going to say it again. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning and beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And nothing that was made was made without the Word. Right? If you re when you read that, something should jump in your, in your heart, and you say, oh, I've read that before. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created... In the beginning was the Word, and in the beginning God created. Now in the beginning, there was God. We kind of maybe will hold off on the Father. Let's just look at this. There was God. There was the Word. And there was the Spirit. All three. Let us. Right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void. There was deep darkness. And the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. Now, because of our understanding and our limitedness, we kind of think, Holy Spirit's over here. And he's hovering. Right? But we must understand that there's God, the Father, the Word, 
and Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit is hovering over nothing. Darkness, right? But remember that God is not in the scene. He's in the unseen realm. He's in the spirit realm. So in the spiritual realm, there's God, the Word, and Holy Spirit. And then out of the spirit realm, the Word comes and says, let there be. Holy Spirit is hovering. Word comes and what's manifest? Whatever the Word spoke. So in Genesis chapter 1, 10 times, we have let there be and there was. Let there be light and light is manifest. Then he said, and it is good. And it was good. I hope we're catching this. I'm going somewhere. So there was the Word in the very beginning. Turn with me to um, Luke. If you catch this, it will revolutionize your life. Starting Luke chapter 1, starting, let's say, from verse 30, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? Key verse, verse 35. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So in the beginning was the Word. Everything that was made was made by the Word. And now the Word takes on the form of flesh, of a body. If you just while you're there, just jump back to John chapter 1. Just reading from verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So the Word becomes flesh. So the Word comes out of the spiritual realm, comes into the natural realm, the Word, and the Word now is given a name. The name of Jesus. So how did this happen? Well, the Holy Spirit hovered over Mary. I hope this is... And then the Word comes in seed form and is planted inside of Mary. And the Holy Spirit empowers her for this Word now to be birthed in the, the realm of the natural right? Very important. So how does the Word operate? God is in the spirit realm. He's invisible. John chapter 1 verse 18 says no one has seen God uh, except the Son of God and whom the Son of God chooses to reveal Him. Um, so in, in um, uh, 1 Timothy 1, I think it's verse 17, it says that He is the King of the ages or the King eternal. He is immortal. He is invisible. Amen? So the spirit realm, it's invisible, right? But in that spirit realm where the Holy Spirit is is 
all over, just hovering, filled. The Word, when it's released, is empowered by the Holy Spirit, and now whatever was decreed or declared now is manifest, right? So now the Word spoke, and things were manifest, but now the Word Himself has come, and the Word is now being manifest. If you understand this, you understand salvation. You understand how awesome this is. It's why when we sing songs, it, it, it should cause us to weep. The Word became flesh. The Word came down to the, the Word. The one when, whom everything was created. Nothing that wasn't created was not created without the Word. And He now becomes flesh, right? hope you follow me. So the Word comes out of the unseen, comes into the scene so He can manifest Himself and who He is so that people can know and see who He is, right? And give you a couple of examples because you'll, you'll, then you'll catch where I'm going now with this. In Luke chapter 5, uh, in verse 5, Jesus is now talking. There's a multitude. People are gathered around it. So he's getting crowded a bit. He climbs into the boat. They push out a little bit so he can speak to them. He's finished speaking to them. He turns to Peter and he says to Peter, hey, go take your boat out into the deeper bit and throw the nets on the other side. Peter goes, uh, kind of uh, like I'm the fisherman. You're the pastor. You stick to preaching. Um, I'll stick to fishing. No, he doesn't quite say that. But he says, I have toiled all night. Lord, just letting you know, I have actually done everything that a fisherman knows how to do. Then he says some very, something very interesting. Nevertheless, at your word. Something going on here. It's very exciting, actually, what's going on. Um, there's this understanding that they're developing, if we can call it that. Um, Mark chapter 4, let me give you another example. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. Um, Jesus they, says, let's go to the other side. They all climb into the boat. They're in the boat. The storm arises. And, uh, and now, let me read that. That's probably a good one to read. And they, um, they, uh, the waves are getting, Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On that day when evening had come, he said to him, let us let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with them, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. So the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So here's Jesus. He's in the storm. He's in the back of the boat. He's having a good, nice kip. And um, the storm is raging around him. It's actually filling in the boat. He's dry, so it's fine. Um, and, uh, and then the guys go, Hold on a minute. We've got to wake this guy up. I almost want to tease a little bit and say, if you're in a storm and you're in the boat at the moment, it's best you wake up the Word. But let me just go on here and say this. So he wakes him up. So he rises up. What's wrong here, guys? He goes, oh, so it's just, let's rebuke you, storm, you foul thing. And he says, to, and peace be still. And the whole thing just goes, still. So he speaks and everything obeys. And then he turns and he says to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? What has he just done? What he's done is he's risen up and he's actually spoken to the storm and told it something. Now he's telling them, have you no faith? Just connect the dots. Speaking the word is faith. Have you no faith? Do you know faith? To speak the word, right? Um, Matthew 14, if you go to Matthew 14, 20, 28. These are just shortcuts. I'm shortcutting. Matthew 14, 28. 
And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if you command me to come to you on the, um, if it is you, command me to come on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter got out the boat and walked on the water. Jesus, they're on the boat. They're going along in the boat. Um, Jesus comes walking along on the water. They all go, whoa, what the heck's that? Um, He goes, no, you know, relax, it's me. And then Peter says something very interesting, which has got nothing to do with the dynamics of what was going on and the water and everything else. He said, Lord, command me to come out. And Jesus goes, come. There's something about the declaration of the Word, from the Word, that these disciples were catching on to, they would, hey, whatever this man says, it works. You could say Jesus' mom is sitting there. And he, she says to him, hey, you know, get involved in this wedding. It's, it's oaks are battling with it. And he goes, it's not my time yet. And he goes, no. Um, whatever he says, whatever he says, So in Luke chapter 4, you see we're jumping around, but in Luke chapter 4, Jesus, you don't have to go there, I'll just go there for fun. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus now is full of the Holy Spirit, and he's now led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. All this is setting up nicely. And he fasts 40 days, and then the enemy comes, the devil, whatever name you want, you can call him, maybe not here, depending on what name you're calling him, but um, (laughs) let's just call him the devil. He comes to Jesus, and the first thing he says to Jesus, he says, if you are the Son of God, then turn, say, this, this stone into bread. What was the the debate or the question there, if you are the Son of God. So the enemy knows, he goes, if you are the Son of God, then turn this stone into bread. What did he know that maybe we don't know? If you want to know if he's the Son of God, get him to speak, because whatever he says is going to happen. So he says, you speak, tell this stone. Now we can go through a whole bunch there and I won't, but I'll go on a small trail. Just stop me in about two minutes, grab hold of me, bring me back. I'll come back up to the highway. But he says, he says to the stone, he says, no, you, you tell this stone, stone, you can go down a road here that, what was the law written on? Stone. He says, you, you, you speak to that stone. You, you resurrect this thing, this law. You, you, you make life come from it. And God says, Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He's, he's quoting Scripture, Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. What's so interesting there is uh, if you read in the Bible, um, in Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. Those who got their Bibles, mine falls right to that place. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Remember those words. Seed to the sower, bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The Word of God. So the Word of God, friends, is not just bread for the eater, but it's also seed for the sower. The Word of God isn't just about quoting a bunch of scriptures to get something from the Lord. The Word about is what proceedeth from the mouth of God, the living and active Word of God. Jesus is not there, now I'm just going to show you that I'm the Son of God. He's there to express the living Word of God. That the Word is active, it's alive, 
It's continuous. It's working all the time, right? And then when he deals with this out in the desert and he, and he confronts the, the, the devil, he confronts the devil every single time with the word. And after he's confronted the devil with the word, he comes out in what? The power of the Holy Spirit. See, that is a whole picture of also of our journey in the Lord. So let's go back quickly. Let's 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 go to um, let me go, John chapter three. Let's quickly go to John chapter three. John chapter three. I'm skipping a couple of, of, of chapters. You, you, if you want to, for your own study, you can go to John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, you'll see there when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and, uh, and he's telling them um, he's, this, he's doing signs, wonders, and miracles. And the Pharisees rise up with stones and they're going to stone him. And he says, for what good thing are you stoning me for? Which one of these miracles are you stoning me for? And they say, we're not stoning you for the miracles. We're stoning you because you proclaim to be the Son of God. So he says, if you don't believe me, believe the miracles. There's something here about Jesus, about when he declares things, how they just miraculously are taking place. And he's saying, if you don't want to believe what I'm saying, believe what the results are of what's actually happening, right? So in John chapter 3, listen to this, John chapter 3 in the beginning, now there was this guy called Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees, who was a ruler of the Jews. Um, he's, uh, he came to Jesus by night. <laughs> it was a bit uh, sneaky. Wasn't too sure if he could come by day, so he came by night. I say, Come. Not day, anything. Just come to Jesus, the right place to go to. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So here's Nicodemus, and he's caught a revelation, and now he's come to the revelation, Jesus Christ, and he's saying, Lord, you know, he, he hasn't got a right yet because he says, um, we know that you are a teacher come from God. He isn't quite there yet, but he's, he's catching it. For no one can do these signs unless God is with him. This should jump in your mind too, Isaiah 7, about, and he will be born a son, and you'll call him Emmanuel, God with us. So here's Nicodemus looking on and saying, no, hold on, no one can do this unless God is actually with him. So, so, like, Jesus, you need to help me here. So Jesus does help him. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. He cannot see the kingdom, kingdom, he cannot enter the kingdom. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Amen. So what, he's, what Jesus is now explaining to Nicodemus is he's saying, you're looking there and you, you, you're on the right track. You can see this, what you, of what I'm actually doing, but you too can enter into what I'm actually doing, but there's only one way you can enter into that, because entering into the kingdom of God is the, the presence and the power of God, right? And the authority of God. So he's saying, if you also want to move in these signs and wonders, if you want to move in the authority of the Word of God, then the only way you can have that is you must be born again. You must be born from above. You must be born of the Spirit so that you can see and that you can enter into the things of the kingdom. Okay? Listen to this. This is, now, we, now it's getting wild. Tell someone next to you, say, just hold on to your seat now because this is now going to start getting really wild. <laughs> right. 
Verse 11, Jesus speaking. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak. We speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. How many of you are there, Jesus? We, is that the royal we? We speak of what we have seen. Oh, now there's more than one. Yes. In the beginning, (laughs) there was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right? So now, when he spoke in Genesis chapter 1, 27, 28, he said, Let us make man. Let us make man. Now we are speaking, and you are not hearing. <laughs> we are trying to show you something, and you are not hearing. So he says, but you do not receive our testimony. If I, to the I, have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven. Oh, do I even have time to unpack that, Lord? Um, no one has ascended. Has ascended. It's not talking about when he dies and he ascends to heaven. Has ascended. So a sneak preview. So if you go to Revelations chapter 12, you'll see there in verse 5, it says when he was born and the woman birthed the child, the child was caught up back to heaven. So Jesus was born. He was caught up. He was ascended to heaven and he came back down again. And you go, why is that? How are you seated in heavenly places? See that? Could go deep here. See, no one has ascended who didn't descend, which is Jesus. He's the one who descended. Now, from heaven, there is ascending and descending angels that are beginning to operate now from a place of the realm of the Spirit, and Christ is now the model and the operating to get us to understand how the Word operates, right? So you're not listening to we. I could go a lot deeper here, Lord. Okay, let's just let's go to one Peter. Let me go to one Peter. I don't want to lose anyone. I'm just trying to keep you on the keep you all on the on the path. One Peter chapter one. Let me just read. Let's read from verse twenty two. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. And this Word is the good news that was preached to you. So I explained it about Jesus. Let me explain it about to, to you. So what happens now is the Bible's telling me that I'm born again by the living and abiding Word of God. So what happens is, is that God is the one who responds. Holy Spirit. So actually the, the, the Word of the Lord is led by and comes out of the realm of the Spirit. And so the Lord comes and brings this imperishable, not the perishable, but the imperishable 
seed of God, the Word of God, which came into my heart, into my life. Holy Spirit empowers it, and I come alive. I'm born again by the living Word. So the same way, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, Jesus said, in the same way that you got born again, now you must walk in Him. The same way Jesus came into this world, the same way the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, is the same way that you and I get born again where the Word of God comes into us and comes alive inside of us. And when the Word of God becomes alive inside of us, so all of us now becomes exactly what Jesus was inside of our lives, right? So if you go to Colossians chapter 2, very quickly, Colossians chapter 2, and you go to uh, just verse 9 and 10. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, says this. For in Him, in Jesus, the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in Him. So inside of Jesus is the Father. Inside of Jesus is Holy Spirit. Jesus now comes into my life, comes into your and my life, and the fullness of the deity which bodily dwells inside of Him now bodily dwells inside of me and you. We now have the fullness of God dwelling inside of us. It's important that we understand that in order for us to kind of step into what God is about to let loose. So let me, well, should I read? Go back to John chapter 3. Hold John chapter 3. Quickly go to R Romans 10. Sorry, I'm watching this clock go. Dick, dick, dick down. Stop in Jesus' name. No? Okay. Carry on. Okay. Brothers, from verse 1. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. It's talking about the Jews. Uh, they really, they've got a passion and desire for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. So when it comes to righteousness, they try to do their own thing according to the law, do what's right, don't do what's wrong, all of that. And they didn't realize that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness, right? Verse 5, for Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. Verse 6, very key. But the righteousness based on faith. The righteousness that's based on faith. What does the righteousness that's based on faith do? The righteousness based on faith says, speaks. Ooh. Let me ask you this question. In the beginning, in the beginning, what came first? The scenery or the sound? What came first, what you see or what you speak? Ooh. The righteousness based on faith says, 
Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. Oh, quickly, he's quoting from another scripture. Let's quickly go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Woo. Oh, that is so good. Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. I'm liking the sound of that. I think I could get into this whole scriptural thing. <laughs> oh, this commandment that I commanded you today is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us to bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and is in your heart so that you can do it. Woo! Just telling us something profound here. When you... Now, in a situation, oh Lord, I'm just praying that you would, would you come and would you just bring the answer, bring deliverance, bring this, or, or Lord, um, uh, you know, just go down into the pits and, 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 and release and, 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 and deliver and set free. And God says, no, it's not far off. This is not e difficult. This is actually easy. The word of the Lord is very near you, even in your heart and in your mouth. Woo. I'm getting so excited now. So who's up for a who's up for a, 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 a two minute delve or dive into the deep things of God? Okay. Just just uh, just quickly go to John 17. You're probably saying okay I've been diving in the deeps quite a while now. Can can we stop? But okay we Please, Lord, stop. Let it stop. Let it stop. These voices, no. Okay. <laughs> so, in, in, in John 17, verse 22. Let's read this quickly. Verse, um, Jesus saying this. The glory that you have given me, speaking to the Father, I have given them. The glory that you have given me, I have, gi I have given them. Right? The glory that you have given me, I have given them. That they may be... One, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Wow. So the glory that the Lord has given us is that we are one. That the Father, Jesus is saying, the Father is in me and I'm in the Father, and He's saying the glory that God's given, I've also given it to them, that they might also be perfectly in their understanding, the Father in me, me in them, are we, are we getting this? Now it gets very exciting because, okay, here's the bomb. Okay, Colossians. Colossians. Let's quickly go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Now, you can read this in a, in a slightly different way. I'm just going to use it because the Word of God is so rich. It's so powerful. Just catch this very quickly. Colossians chapter 3. You may never have seen this. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand. Okay, what is he talking about? He's talking about us now. We're walking in this world. We're journeying here. He's not talking about the Jesus coming. He's talking about now. I'm walking in here. He says, what I must do is I must set, right? Then you've been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things of the earth. For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Why is that important? Okay, because he's about to say something very powerful here. He says, when Christ is your life appears. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will, will appear with Him in glory. So let me say this to you. In the beginning, in England, was the Word. Right? The Word. Behave yourself. The Word. The Word, right? The Word now is made flesh. The Word now manifests who He is 
and we call his name Jesus. So Jesus, so what was in the beginning? The Word. The Word got given a name. The Word's name is Jesus. Now you have God the, because also Jesus was called Son of God. Now you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But God the Son, His name is Jesus, is also the Word, right? So the Word now, the three in one, Jesus comes and says, I'm also now shared this glory with them. Now God says, your, you, your life has died and now hidden with Christ. When Christ appears, how does Christ appear? Christ appears when we come into alignment with who He is, when we come into alignment with the Word. When you come into alignment with the Word and Christ now appears, then you appear because the Word is inside of you and Christ and you are one, then you appear in glory. What is glory? The manifest presence of God. So when you appear now, the presence and the nature and the character of God is now being revealed through your life. Amen. Woo! That is too good. So let me, let me, let me, um, no, I won't land. I'll just, uh, I'll just uh, go around, fly around a little bit. So let me ask you this simple question. Connor uh, spoke the word. From Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, Come to me, all you weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right? Take my yoke upon you. Let me, let me make this statement very clear. If you um, study and understand that, every single person has a yoke. If you live in this world, you, you, you have a yoke. It's not a choice of of whether you have one or not, it's a choice of whose yoke you have. So Jesus is saying, if you come to me, Lord, I'm nearly finished. If you, come, <laughs> if you come to me, he says, you must learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly of heart. Take my yoke upon you, right? Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me ask you this simple question. How difficult is it for the Word to speak? Let me say it like this. Shoes walk. Vacuum cleaners suck. <laughs> right? The Word speaks. The word speaks. My yoke is easy. My burden is very light. The word is not far off. The word is very near, even in your mouth and in your heart. So you don't have to now, well, I've got to pray and I've got to. No, it's inside my heart and mouth for me to speak. So you can ask yourself a simple question. You can say, um, why does life sometimes become so difficult? Well, let me say it like this. If I'm living outside of the Word, I'm living outside of my natural habitat. Then it's, life starts to become quite a heavy burden. If you and I are born again by the Word, then we are need to live in the realm of the Word. If we live outside of the Word, things start to become difficult. Why? Because I can promise you now, if you had a lack of conversation with a fish, and you'd tell him, how are you doing there in your bowl, fish bowl, or whatever, and that, he'd be saying, man, it is so easy, this is lack of me, I just flick my little fins, <laughs> and I can drift around, it's so cool, and I'm just having fun. But if you were to take him out the fish bowl and have a conversation, he'd be there going, <laughs> and it would be difficult, Right? Because he's out of his natural habitat. Right. So you see, Jesus says his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Because you have to now, just like Jesus did, speak the word. Right? It's Matthew chapter 8. It's a story of the centurion. Jesus is, the centurion comes to Jesus says, my servant is sick at home. And Jesus says, okay, I'm coming. I'm going to come to your house. And the centurion says, no, 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 I'm not worthy for you to come. 
just speak the word. It's the only time in the whole New Testament where it says, and Jesus marveled. Marveled at what? Marveled at his faith. He said, you don't have to come. Just speak the word. Jesus doesn't have to come down from heaven, up from. You just have to speak the word. If you speak the word, friends, we, we, as people, sometimes we're wait, waiting for some kind of huge thing. 2 Kings chapter 5 is a beautiful story of Naaman. Naaman is a Syrian commander. He, he, he's got leprosy. And so the Syrian king writes a letter because he finds out that there's a guy there, Elijah, that, that can, um, or Elisha, 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 second, um, who can heal him. And so off he goes to, and Elijah is, uh, you know, in his place, whatever. The guy arrives, his entourage, he's a big, woo he's a big shot. And he arrives there, it's all lacquer, and he, he's now expecting, hey, some kind of, and Elijah, Elisha doesn't even come out, sends his servant. He just sends his servant out and says, hey, just go to the Jordan and dip seven times. And what is the guy's response? The guy's response is simply, what? Are not our rivers in Damascus better than your stupid rivers? And what did I actually expect? I expected you to come out and go, oh. And it actually says, and wave your arms. I expect you to come and to do a big thing. Oh, Naaman, come the Lord is going to do a powerful work. So what happens is this guy's servants go to him. They say, if he had given you a difficult word, would you not have done it? But just because he gave you an easy word, why do you get all upset and angry and balk at it? And so he does. He goes and does it, and guess what happens? It works, right? All of that this morning is just simply to say this. The word of the Lord is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. Now, there's a second part to this, which I haven't got to, and we'll get to it another time. But let me just say this this morning, that Jesus became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And he modeled something so powerful. He modeled what the Word looks like and how the Word operates. And now we as the people of God have got born again the same way with the living Word now living inside of us. We have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit inside of us. We are empowered now. The Word is not far off. It's near us, in our hearts, in our minds, uh, minds, in our mouths. And God is speaking and telling us now, this time that we're living in, to speak the Word, right? Speak the Word. Speak the Word in faith. Speak and declare what God has done. And if you speak the Word and you believe in your heart, second part, won't get to it. If you speak the word, then the miraculous, the signs and wonders will begin to manifest because the presence and power of God is there, but it has to be activated by the word of the Lord. Of the, Lord. the word of the Lord. <laughs> and, and I won't even read it. I won't go there. I won't go there because it, it'll make Connor nervous. No. Um, <laughs> so I won't open my Bible. Um, but I so want to open my Bible. No, I'm not going to open my Bible. In Hebrews chapter 1, you read 1 to 3. How God has spoken by the prophets of all, whatever now he speaks by Jesus, by Jesus, created all the heavens and the earth. And he says, and everything was created by the word of his power. See, the power is there, but the power is to be activated by the word. When the power is activated by the word, then you have to give that a name. It's called Jesus. Jesus. 